Welcome to the Coach's Wife 308. I'm your host, Megan Spargo. Here, we're going to be exploring everything from personal development, health, and wild new ideas from the curious perspective of a small town coach's wife. If you're curious like me, you're in the right place. Let's get on with today's episode. All right, so today we are talking about mindfulness, and I want to just jump right in, and I want you to tell me more about your journey with mindfulness, and then tell us what made you want to bring mindfulness to the people and teach it. Okay, so honestly, I like I remember being in grad school, so um, I'm not sure what all you had in the intro, but I'm a counselor. And so when I was in grad school at Colorado State, I remember sitting next to someone and they were talking about mindfulness and how it's a part of dialectic behavior therapy. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. But how on earth would you ever teach that to anyone? And so then kind of, so it was there, it was planted. And then, gosh, Quite a few years later, probably from that, at least five, I did a training in dialectic behavior therapy. And one of the skills training in that is mindfulness. And again, I felt that same thing like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. This is so helpful. And again, I don't know how you teach people, but I just started doing it and started doing it as the, um, just as a skills training. Um, and then the more I did it, the more people would say, Oh, you know, who needs this? (laughs) 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 It was like more and more people like, Oh yeah. And then it was, it was kind of like, yeah, if we all practice this, what a easier life we would have. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess, and so then I did, um, Fast forward a lot of years later, I did uh, um, meditation. What was that class? It was uh, it was with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield. Um, it was like meditation for psychotherapy and brought in a lot of mindfulness. And I think that was when I had you come in on that last day when it was like a half day retreat and like do this with me. And I didn't want to because I thought it sounded boring. Uh-huh. But I but and I came in. You did it. I did do it. Yeah. And when I was taking that class, like almost every time when I would do a meditation, I would be like, how can I share this with people? Like, what would it be like if I had a class of people? Like, what would it be like if, yeah, if I was actually teaching? And so then it was like, there was no longer that fear of teaching it to people. It was like, how can I get people in here to teach them? There's a lot there. What I like about that is kind of that question you asked yourself, because that seed was planted kind of with you early on. And then you kind of started putting it into practice. And then I think that question of what would it be like if I were to teach this to people? Because I was kind of there to witness a a part of that. It just started kind of taking off and you just, you just did start teaching it to people. (laughs) Cause yeah, yeah. Pretty soon after that, you had some workshops. We did a couple retreats at that point. Um, that was really fun because I know I learned a lot from that. 
in those early days, kind of when I was in the picture, because I like to talk about that part, <laughs> what were your biggest... <laughs> Let's talk about Megan. Let's bring it <laughs> Tell me more. Me. <laughs> what, with the Tara Brock and the Jack Cornfield thing that you, you did, what were your biggest takeaways of mindfulness there? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it was really... Well, and then I don't know if it was so much mindfulness as it was... so actually of actually using meditation in my psychotherapy. Mm, Okay. Um, That was honestly with that class, that was probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. That it's like, Oh, this is really something that is helpful and it's effective and it's evidence-based. And uh, (laughs) yeah. That's interesting. That jumps ahead to something I was going to ask you a little bit later. So you started to integrate that into your practice. And so do your client, do you meditate with your clients? Is that something that they kind of do outside of therapy or how, how does that work? Or what did you see like outcomes wise? How did it, I guess, help the practice or what am I trying to say there? Yeah, I think I know what you're asking. It's kind of like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you say my practice, you mean my counseling practice. Correct. Yeah. So I, yeah, I do. I, I use meditation in that. Um, and sometimes, and like, so this idea with mindfulness that it's, you know, that meditation isn't the, um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really Mm -hmm. being able to be aware of what's here and what's now. And so sometimes by, for me, what I think of with meditation with my clients, when that one-in-one is helping them to be able to drop down and observe what's happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then I might guide them through, um, you might remember that RAIN meditation, that Mm -hmm. recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, and not identify. And so we'll just walk through it. And it's so similar to this that they don't even really realize they're meditating. I I think, I don't know. I guess I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's just a really casual way of dropping down and observing this moment. It's really accessible. Yeah, it is very accessible. Yes, yes. Instead of being a monk on the mountaintop or, or, you know, kind of just dressed in flowy outfits, like meditation is something you can do (laughs) anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I think that's the part, like I, sometimes that's, I don't know if it's a differentiation between mindfulness and meditation, but I think of like where mindfulness is, is aware of this moment on purpose. And Mm -hmm. so when we meditate, it's, it's, it's more, maybe more of a dropping down. I don't know. But the more we practice the meditation, I think the easier and more accessible mindfulness is throughout our day. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I think it does. Yeah. When I think about like when I was first learning and every time we do something with mindfulness, there's always a new aha for it. And what I, what I see that mindfulness does is really like, it just brings forth consciousness because I know like we live so much of our life with our subconscious, whether it's like maybe some programming or just like our thoughts are happening all the time. And we almost just believe any thought that comes into our head. And I feel like that mindfulness is like being on purpose in the moment and observing. I just, that step is that space, I guess, is kind of that like, Oh, all of a sudden you're not like just in this storm of whatever you think your life is all of a sudden you can just kind of 
that observing moment, I think is, it's kind of magical, I guess, in a way it really, one thing you said earlier on with mindfulness is that it helps you relate to the world in a completely different way. And I think it's with that observation that comes with it. Yes. And, and that's kind of how it can bring your life forward. Or, I mean, let's see, you're bringing that consciousness because all of a sudden you're very aware of like what all of these thoughts or feelings are in your head all of a sudden, then just kind of like not being aware of it and just kind of moving throughout your day with it. Going through the motions. Yeah. 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 Which I think is so common and so easy mm-hmm. to do. And, and we just react in ways that we don't even realize that we're doing it because we've just always done it. And so mindfulness lets us have that pause and that awareness of what's happening now. <laughs> that is, that brings me back to one of my biggest ahas early on was I'm like, this is why I'm a jerk. <laughs> I wrote a whole talk called don't be an (laughs) a-hole because I noticed all these times that I was just reacting to, you know, my life or other people. I was just so unaware of like how I was feeling in the moment or someone would say something to me and I'd be like, (gasps) it would just, you'd have that trigger. And I would believe that trigger, like all of a sudden that person said something mean to me and it's within my rights to react and teach them a lesson and judge them, (laughs) all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's a really good reason to bring mindfulness to the masses. (laughs) To not be an a-hole. To not be an a-hole. I'll take that as a a reason. Yeah. I think it helps (laughs) me not be an a-hole as much. There is some times where I become aware that I'm being an a-hole and I'm triggered and I still am an a-hole, but I know yeah. why. And I feel like I'm maybe an a-hole less of the time with oh, mindfulness. Probably. So that does, <laughs> that does help. <laughs> so if, if the listeners take anything away from this, if you're not an a-hole, a lot of other people might not be an a-hole if you're not reacting to them, it kind of just stops the fight right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, one Less of the questions holes. I was going to ask, and you kind of covered it was um, kind of, we hear mindfulness and meditation kind of paired together a lot. And it was like, what makes the two of them different? And I think you answered that in saying that, that mindfulness really makes you aware in the moment of kind of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then that meditation is when we drop in a little bit more. Yeah. And mindfulness really is a form of meditation. Mm, Okay. I remember listening to a podcast with um, Deepak Chopra and he was, it was with Oprah, one of the super soul Sunday podcasts. Mm -hmm. I love those. And uh, she was asking about his meditation practice and, you know, he gets up about like three o'clock in the morning and meditates for four hours. And then he was like, well, I'm actually meditating right now. You know, this is like that full awareness of what's going on, which is, yeah, that mindfulness. And so, yeah, with meditation, I mean, there's so many different, I don't even know, categories, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, mindfulness is, is a form of meditation for sure. Tell me more about your mindfulness and meditation practice. Is that pretty structured or do you kind of just put it in when you can? Um, I'll tell you really where I started with my mindfulness. I like that. So I was um, reading 
uh, we might have to edit this because if I can't come up with the names, I'm going to be really embarrassed. This Thich Nhat Hanh, The Art of Mindfulness book. Okay. Um, and at the time I had had, which is a lot of what um, dialectic behavior therapy is based on, the mindfulness section okay. of that. And I was reading that book and I had two small children at the time. I'm going to say two and four. I don't know how old they were, maybe one and three. And I'm reading his book and I got annoyed because he was talking about doing one thing in the moment. And it just really annoyed me because I'm thinking, you know, yeah, easy for you. You're a Tibetan monk or Vietnamese monk. And, you know, you don't have anybody else relying on you. Like, yeah, you can do one thing in the moment. And there's like no way I can, as a parent of two small children, do one thing in the moment. And so, but for some reason, I decided to challenge myself and practice the exercise of when you're in the shower, you are just in the shower. And <laughs> being aware of any thoughts that come up. As I remember, I think John Cabot Zinn was talking about, he's like, I've ever noticed you're in the shower and all of a sudden you got 50 people in there with you as you're starting <laughs> to think about your day and what you've got going on, who you're going to meet with, who you're going to talk to, what you're going to do next and all of that. And so, so I thought, okay, I'll try that. And the shower is a little bit easier because you get to use a lot more senses. You get to use the sensation of the water coming down. You can crank the heat up a little bit. You can make it colder. So you're, it helps you be in the here and now. Mm -hmm. You have the smell of the shampoo, the soap. Um, so really, though, honestly, I would just start with washing my hair. And I have really short hair. So it doesn't take me very long to wash my hair. But that's where I started of just staying with the sensations of washing my hair. And when my mind would start to wander about who I was going to see that day or even just what's next. Like, what am I going to feed the kids or what am I going to eat? And just bringing it back to the here and now. And I don't, I don't know. I, I always like to tell people like, this was probably just my experience. It probably doesn't happen to anybody, but it was magical. It made my day go so much easier, which doesn't even make any sense. Cause I really thought that I needed that time to plan mm -hmm. for what I was going to do for the rest of the day. I didn't. And when I could take that two minutes and just do one thing in the moment, um, I saw benefits like right away. So that was so I would continue to just practice the mindfulness. So no, it's not really structured. It's um, really flexible. And I do still try to do that daily. I mean, now I can actually use most of my shower time. I don't have to just do my hair of doing that one thing in the moment. It kind of seems like that one thing in the moment, um, when I think about it, I think about bandwidth and like how much bandwidth your mind has. And so when you're, you have all these tabs open, cause you're thinking about what to feed the kids, what am I going to wear today? What's on my to-do list? It just, it slows things down. I think. Right. That's kind of right. how I feel. And we think it's helpful. And then, like we think yeah. windows is an amazing thing helpful. that we should use as many windows as possible. Right. But really it does slow it down. And if we it can does. close a few of them and just, cause we're really only going to look at one. Although sometimes people have lots of screens. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I just have one. <laughs> Me too. I can Me only too. have one. Um, and maybe it would be helpful, but yeah, I think that, th that, that concept of like mental bandwidth, when you can just do one thing and then do it kind of more efficiently. Yes. And I wonder if that, or do you see how that could be tied to like a nervous system 
like all of a sudden you're like all hyped up because if I'm doing like one thing, I'm pretty, what you know, it's efficient. I'm concentrating on that. And then pop, 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 like these windows all start to pop up and then I feel overwhelmed and I feel stress. And I feel like just kind of learning from you and, and being in mindfulness, I can recognize that feeling now. I'm like, Oh yeah. Here's overwhelm. And that's and then, mindfulness. That's yeah. mindfulness right there. That moment when you recognize the overwhelm, because then you're no longer just reacting to, you're actually observing it. Yeah. Just, I mean, it doesn't take much. And so then when you get that glimmer of consciousness, then you get to decide what you're going to do with it. Yeah. No, that's, that is really helpful. And all of a sudden, like deep breath, that's kind of my, my moment. Like, or I'm like coming mm. to the moment and then I can kind of feel that being released and it, it feels much, much better. What have you seen? Like, or what, what are some ways that you think mindfulness has kind of expanded you and helped you kind of grow in consciousness or as a human made your life better? Oh, that's an, a good question. And um, gosh, it is a loaded question. How has mindfulness made my life better? Basically, is yeah, that what the question yeah. is? Um, yeah, being present. I don't, I don't know that I miss out on as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I don't know, but <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean that, that being present and being in the here and now, I think it, okay, here, here's another weird thing that again, I, there's, there's the magic part of it. And I don't know that if this happens to everybody, but when I am in alignment with my practice, my daily practice, I swear, Megan, the colors are brighter. Mm. There's more clarity in what I see. My like my vision is pure on vision. What I see out of my eyes is clearer, mm. more bright sounds. I can hear things that that bring me joy. And and maybe that's it. Maybe there's just more small little pockets of joy. I don't I don't know. No, I like that. I would not have thought about like the colors being brighter, but I do think like I found that birds really came into my awareness a lot more since I've been mindful. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the birds have birds. I'll just like look out my window. And that's like something that's really not been in my consciousness, but like you talk about things that you see like, Oh, look at the birds. So now I have my office where I look out my window and, and that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm thinking like my, my listeners would like to like with relationships, maybe as a parent or, you know, with your significant other, have you seen where mindfulness has come into play and kind of helped to nurture those relationships or made your life better in those areas, working, parenting, all of that? For me personally, um, I noticed that I like to avoid conflict. And when I feel conflict coming up, um, I like to run away. And so with mindfulness, having that awareness and being able to be with whatever is. And so being with that urge to want to (laughs) run, being with that urge that wants to slam the door and then and then deciding what I want to do with it gosh that feels kind of vulnerable to say that out loud but um because I just remember that we're recording and it's not just me and you talking Um, (laughs) (laughs) so 
is that I mean you asked so much yeah, in that question. I really so did I'm not and I like where sure you went. If you wanted really my personal stuff or like what I'm teaching people like I I I'm gonna stay where you are because I think that, that is one of like the biggest parts of mindfulness, at least like kind of where I am, is that sitting with emotion and being with it. I'm very similar to you. And I don't know if it's like our Enneagram sevens that really don't want to be with that negative emotion. And if you feel conflict coming up, you kind of run, want to run away. And I feel like there's just such a consciousness of one thing I tell my daughters and I'll kind of, this might be a little bit of a, a full circle type of moment is if you want an easy life, you have to make hard decisions. If you want a hard life, you make easy decisions yeah, or do yeah, hard I things. <laughs> I, I don't like it either, but I really think it's true. But I think in order to do it a is. lot of those hard things, you really have to be with a lot of those really difficult emotions and mm-hmm. conflict. It's hard for me for sure, but kind of like <sighs> sitting with it and it takes courage and I definitely think it's built my courage muscle up so much. And it's helped me have like a lot of that easier life because, okay, I'm aware of the, these feelings coming on and I care so deeply about these relationships, whether it's a friendship, my, my marriage or with my kids. I'm like, it's coming up. It's here. I can sit with it and not be in that reactionary mode. And and then just be super honest with it. Talk about being vulnerable. Like, okay, yeah. this is the feeling that I'm feeling. And being able to look at that other person, like with a lot more compassion, because I just think you can be so much honest with yourself and you can have an honest conversation. Like you're one of the best people to be in conflict with, because it doesn't really feel like conflict. It's just, it feels like so much care in the relationship when, when you have that. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. And yeah. So I think conflict is one of them. And I think when you can manage conflict in such a compassionate way, like that definitely will deepen your relationships. Cause I think, yeah, I've heard at some point, like a lot of times relationships are some, Oh, well, like a lot of relationships are kind of like harmony then like, disharmony or conflict and then repair kind of a, a little bit of a, I don't know, cycle of that. And so when you can get to that conflict and repair, it really can take you into a deeper level in that relationship of like, okay. And and seeing a person too, that I think is so much easier with mindfulness, probably essential to have that mindfulness and be able to (laughs) observe and be with your emotions and even be with somebody else's like being able to hold space for somebody else when you know like okay what I'm going to say is not going to make them happy and being able to say something hard that somebody might not want to hear with that degree of love or kindness Loving kindness, I guess that's another pretty big part of mindfulness that I think is a game changer in those relationships. Yeah, well, we talk about that a lot in our um, our retreats and and Mm -hmm. just in any kind of teaching of mindfulness that it's. um, Tara Brock talked about like the two wings. There's the the wing of the awareness of what is, and then there's the wing of loving kindness. Because what is 
isn't always pretty or joyful or, and so being able to have loving kindness for what is there is what makes it mindfulness. Cause if we're just aware, like sometimes things suck Yeah. and, and, and mindfulness isn't a way of getting rid of life happening, Mm -hmm. but it's about being able to be aware and being with what is and having the loving kindness with it. So it's, yeah, we don't get to avoid those hard things like death or loss and grief. And um, those those things are going to happen. Those are part of life. I mean, right. any those things, they, they don't stop because we're being mindful. I mean, people still get those, you know, tough doctor's appointments, those fires. I mean, any kind of crisis yeah. can still happen. And so being able to be with what is and and have the loving kindness piece gives us a little more ease, I guess I want to say, right. through those tough situations. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this in, in some of my like talks is, and you know, I've, I've said this a lot before too, is you have kind of brought up that, I call it an equation of pain oh, plus yeah. resistance equals suffering. And so pain is always going to be a part of life. And what I, I mean, what I want to bring into this podcast um, to teach people is really how to like live a life that you desire, live a life on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to think that you're just going to be able to create this life that is exactly how you want it. That is full of like love and joy and all good things, because that just won't happen. We're living on earth in this reality where we have contrast. We're always going to have contrast. There's just going to be things outside of our control, you know, life circumstances or other people's actions, other people's thoughts and feelings that we can't control, but we can still have a life we desire. And I also think like letting that be okay. Like when life isn't going good, that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It's just, mm-hmm. this is where life is right now. And so yeah, I really kind of put that <laughs> into a big circle that I forgot where I was going with it. Where were we at? Well, I don't know, but it did. Okay, I'm just going to bring this up because it made me think yeah, about it. even with you. Um, I mean, when you went through a lot of grief and loss and you talked about how helpful mindfulness mm-hmm. was through that. Yeah, it was just a big, I don't know. I could say a, a lesson, like, yeah, life does it was, still suck yeah, at times. It's really suck. hard. I think that's where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. That resistance Tell part. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> that resistance part of it, because yeah, you know, I was going through some really difficult times in my career and then with my mom getting sick and passing away, that's pain. There was so many things outside of my control, but what I was able to do and able to have some consciousness about was like, okay, I just, what will bring me suffering is resistance to this pain, not being Mm -hmm. with what is, it would be weird if I wasn't going to grieve. It would be weird if I wasn't angry or confused. And so it was just like, okay, these are the feelings I'm having right now. And being really aware of like that if I put a lot of judgment on this and if I try not to grieve and I try not to feel these feelings, that's what's going to make it hard. It's almost just layering a whole bunch of extra crap on top of the pain that makes it suffering. 
I'm still going to feel this pain, but it's just going to be a little bit more lighter without the judgment, without the resistance. Mm -hmm. It's all still going to happen. Thank you. I, now you, you brought me back around. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm going somewhere with this. I couldn't really remember. (laughs) (laughs) So not only Mm -hmm. don't be an a-hole, but yeah, being able to navigate those really difficult times that are just going to happen and life mm-hmm. as a human and being able to go yeah. through that with a little bit more ease and recognize where you have that agency in life. What can you control? There's certain things you can't, and that's just going to be what it is, but there are going to be things that you can control. And yeah. Kind well, of even with like that. when you said with that um, equation, if you can notice what the resistance is, mm-hmm then you can maybe move through that to release the suffering. You're not necessarily going to get rid of the pain. But if you can, right. you can remove the resistance. Yeah. You got to be aware of it. You have to be aware of it. And I think that's where that, like that courageous muscle comes in is like, you know, it's there, you know, the pain is there and you're going to move forward anyway. You're going to sit with pain. Cause I do think it takes a lot of courage to not numb in some way or Mm -hmm. to run away. And that's, it's hard. It's We have Mm -hmm. a lot of distractions when, you know, our phones, I love TV, um, you know, drinking, whatever it is. Um, And even for me, like coming to like some awareness of like, oh, I'm running from a feeling that I don't feel like experiencing right now. That's, and then bringing curiosity with it. Like, oh, that's interesting. And I think when you bring that curiosity rather than judgment, it just makes life a little more fun, more interesting. Mm -hmm. And kind of what you, I think what you were just talking about with um, whether you want to numb or run away from, Mm -hmm. that kind of goes back to what you, I think what you were asking before about the nervous system, that those are all part of Mm -hmm. our nervous system. Those Mm -hmm. are um, reactions that are wired into us. And that if we're not aware, we do those automatically. Like our body is freaking amazing and it really does try to help us out. And it's wired to keep us safe. But sometimes it thinks that we're not safe. I, I kind of want to go with that nervous system a little bit more because um, it's kind of been in the zeitgeist a little bit. I've heard a lot about like nervous system regulation and um, and that being attached to like reactionary things. Like if I'm upset or like, I know that I'm going to be more of an a-hole when my nervous system is kind of like, so coming to that awareness, like when I'm overwhelmed, I feel like maybe my nervous system is a little bit dysregulated. Yes. And, and also what you were talking about too, with the numbing, like that's, so Mm -hmm. our nervous system likes to fight, flight, or freeze. And numbing is a way of kind of, of freezing and just like not paying attention to what's there, trying to distract us, trying to keep us away from it where we aren't seeing. Because if we're not looking at it, then it can't see us. I wonder like it doesn't calm the nervous system because those emotions, they don't really go away, right? Just because we don't want to feel them. They do. They're not permanent. They go away. Yeah, they go away. 
we're just not dealing with it. And by, by numbing, it's still causing some of that resistance. And so the suffering's still okay. there. Well, that was good. Cause I was going to ask then why wouldn't we just numb <laughs> through that? Right. That and, painful... and a lot of us do a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of us do. And, and you can, I mean, that's definitely an option. Um, but the more we numb, the more we numb and the more we numb, the less aware we are of what's happening now. Mm. And the less aware we are of what's happening now, the more we miss out on what's happening now. Yeah. And I think that that conversation of presence, like I don't think you can be quite as present, you know, if you're just not aware. And I think people can like in, within the relationships, your kids can feel it when you're not aware. Your oh, your I friends, think so. I can all tell of that. when people aren't aware. Mm-hmm. I, I know like sometimes I'll get off the conversation, like a phone call with somebody and I'm like, that sucked. <laughs> that mm. is not what I wanted from this conversation because I get to tell that person wasn't exactly present with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something I, I can be aware of. And I, my kids will call me out on it. Like, mom, like, where are you? Like, okay, coming back, <laughs> coming back and sitting with looking at another Minecraft house that my daughter put together <laughs> that I, um, wasn't fully wanting to do, but it's always kind of neat to <laughs> see that. Okay. I'm going to move the conversation a little bit into something a little more weird because that's what okay. I like to do. So we have mindfulness meditation. Do you see where this can bring or be related to manifesting or manifestations? I've heard the three of them together. So I don't know if you see, um, see a link or connection with manifesting with mindfulness and meditation. Um, This is this. So this is such a weird place for me to be for people to usually I'm the one asking questions. Um, So it's just natural (laughs) for me to say, well, what have you heard? (laughs) Okay. And how does it settle for you? One thing I heard that made a lot of sense to me is kind of like where you put your attention. And I think a lot of us, I think like, our brain kind of goes towards that anxious, like what's kind of wrong? Where, where do I need to look for danger and some things like that? And I think when you're mindful, you can kind of have that awareness, have um, that observation of like where your mind is, what are you thinking about? What are your, your most consistent thoughts and feelings? And um, I've heard this other concept of like, people, you're watering the weeds. So if like you're worrying about something, you're constantly thinking about it, it's going to be in your like, your plane of sight. And so you might be bringing more of what makes you anxious in if that's where you're concentrating. And so if you're mindful, and you kind of want to be a little bit more aware of, and you might even have some more agency of what you are thinking about and what you are feeling that you might be able to bring in and have more of those things that you want to bring into your life in your side and create a life you desire. Okay. I see that. I guess I'm not sure because it's when I think of manifesting, I guess I think of it as like projecting what might projecting, I guess. Okay. Right? Is that fair? Is that what? It could be. When I think of manifesting, I think of kind of like kind of co-creating your life and creating a life that you desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I think of like projecting how you want to what you want, projecting mm-hmm. out what you want to see. Right. So that's interesting. It, I guess I'm not sure because maybe like the more we're able to be mindful and be present, we can bring in. I I like manifestation. I like thinking about how I want things to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much that actually. I mean, I guess I definitely do it. Sorry, this this question is no. kind of throwing me off. Um, with meditation, maybe of being able to be still and being able to be in the moment and then bringing in those feelings like you were talking about of how I want to feel and how I want my day to go. That that's part of like that meditation of, yeah, bringing in what I want it to look like. No, I I like that. It's kind of a different way of of looking at manifesting because I think one thing I, I do believe is we want things in life because we want to experience a certain feeling. And I think a lot of most people want to have some sense of freedom. So I always hear people wanting to manifest, bring in a, like a love, bring in a life partner and oh. bring in money and some things like that. And I think, you know, we want to bring those in because we want to feel connected. We want to have a sense of freedom. But what I hear you saying is like, it's kind of that same, like, when you're, when you're meditating and when you're mindful, you're thinking about how you want to feel that day. And so while you might not be manifesting a million dollars consciously, you are creating a life that you want because you are kind of bringing in how you want your day to look. What it would feel like if you had a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. What it would feel like. And, and I know it's, it gets kind of weird, but yeah, like what, what it would feel like if, if I wanted a million dollars, I guess I, it's not so much that I would want a million dollars, but I would want financial freedom. Right. Um, I would want to be able to feel comfortable, um, financially that I can have the things that I want, that, that what I have and what I need, I have and need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's interesting. I just, um, I thought I would throw you a curveball. now. <laughs> You did throw me a curveball. Yeah, because that's definitely not anything. Well, I shouldn't say it's not anything. It is somewhat what I bring in to my, because it's more of the feeling, like imagine what that would feel like. Imagine what that would feel like if you had a partner that you could trust. Imagine what that Mm -hmm. would feel like if, yeah, if you did have financial freedom. Imagine what it would feel like if, you had a job where you were able to use your creative talents and abilities and get paid for your services and um, have the time to spend with your family. Like what, what would that feel like to you? Imagine bringing that in and bringing that feeling in. Yeah. No, I like that. I can kind of feel like how mindfulness and like having that awareness helps you kind of follow some of those pings that you might get. I mean, even just for with me doing this podcast, it was like me thinking about doing a podcast. It's kind of been something I wanted to do for years. And then I'm, you know, kind of get to a place where I'm like, well, I'm imagining it or while I'm thinking about it, I just feel really good. I, I feel mm-hmm. inspired. I feel on purpose. And so that leads me to kind of taking some actions like calling people up and seeing if they're ready to, you know, want to have an interview or be part of that. And so I, I can see maybe and I hadn't really thought about this until us talking about it right now, how mindfulness can kind of lead to that manifestation of us kind of taking some action 
to create a life that we want or try something that we've always wanted to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe that's, maybe that's kind of what, where I'm, where we're getting there is like that when you are in the moment, yeah, um, it's easier to see what's next. Yeah. Okay. That, and back to that bandwidth thing, you know, all of a sudden, like you're doing one thing in the moment and I think that helps you have a little bit more clarity. Yes. Within your mind, but also in your body. Like all of a sudden you like, I don't know that I would have been able to like, oh, I'm feeling really excited. I'm feeling really inspired as I'm, you know, thinking about this and talking to other people about that. Just that awareness, I think, comes with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It can just create an amazing life. Everybody. Yes. That's yes, what we're trying can. to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're kind of rounding out um, the end of this episode. What do you think about drawing a card? Okay, I'd love to. For the people. Okay. Hmm. I would tell you to pick one, but we're not in the same place. So I'm just going to use my intuition, I guess, and we'll rip on it for a little bit. Oh, this is kind of fun. So um, I'm using the Goddess Oracle deck because it's super fun and I like it. And I drew the Goddess Nematona and it's sacred space. And it says create an altar or visit a power place to connect with Mm. the divine. So I kind of like that with this episode. I kind of think about that sacred space within and, and making that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about that a lot and being able to hold that space for ourselves. I mean, that's part of the loving kindness part is being able to hold that sacred space within us for whatever. Yeah. yeah. Up. And for me, I think about um, mindfulness is such a way just to come home to yourself and and make that just when I think you had ta- mm-hmm. taught that. Um, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote when you can find like home within what is it I'm gonna I'll have to put it in the show notes yes oh shoot that yes 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 um yeah I I know exactly what you're talking about but I can't probably have to put it in the show notes that's right well who would have known that that would have been the card that you pulled if, if it pops up for you yeah um I'm just gonna read about the energy of nematoma and for my listeners um this podcast is meant to be a buffet it's just going to bring you some fun things so take what you like you can leave behind what you don't so if oracle cards aren't your jam that's okay but i happen to think they're really fun and kind of see what the divine wants to tell us and for her she said your space your sacred space is within you now by creating an altar or visiting a sacred space, which could be a tree. I have a spot in my backyard I like to go. You connect with symbols and energy that have been infused with meaning and prayer over the centuries. Don't take these symbols lightly, for they're powerful indeed. When you connect with sacred symbols, you help your inner sanctity find a home in your outer world. You can also tap into ancient wisdom and spiritual grace of the old ways, explore spirituality through sacred symbols and sites, and allow your soul to joyfully meander among the various ways available to you to unite with the divine. It's not a matter of how you connect, but how frequently. 
And so Nematoma means sacred grove because she protected the ancient Celtic ceremonial sites, which were outdoors in the trees. So yeah, find your sacred space. And I think um, when you're able to create that within, you're at home, no matter where you are. Renee, is there anything else with mindfulness that you might want to leave for the people? Probably. I just, I'm not sure what. Um, Yeah, really being able to check in with yourself and, and see how you're doing. And sometimes even just taking a breath is all that you need to do. Absolutely. Finding that breath. So Renee and I do a mindfulness retreat about every June called the Butterfly Retreat for Women. And we'll just plant the seed right now. It's awesome. The content is is really good. It's so digestible that like sometimes I don't even know if people know they're learning. Like it's, um, (laughs) (laughs) we're just kind of sitting around and chatting and we're getting all these um, fabulous nuggets of wisdom and the people that come, they're amazing. And they kind of teach us a lot. I think along the way we do yoga, which we didn't talk about. I, I did say that in the intro that you're a certified yoga instructor. So we bring that into play. We get to the outdoors and yeah, it's just a really lovely time to connect and learn some valuable nuggets. So Renee, um, I think she, she, you can find her. She has a website I'll put in the show notes and, um, can they find you anywhere else if they want to connect with you? Um, yeah, I was, I mean, even with the website, it it really needs to be updated. (laughs) I'm just really not out there. I'll be honest. I'm just not, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm more than happy. I mean, to talk to anybody, if anybody has any questions, they can. Yes, you are on Instagram and you can. I am. And it's, but it's, I don't really have any content in there. It's more about, you know, my kid's first day of school and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> sorry. They're pretty cute. Did you do have some guess. fun? <laughs> You're not I a am lame a lame guest. I am not <laughs> out there. Um, I know how to get a hold of Renee, so uh, you can find me yes. on Instagram at Call Megan Sparrow. <laughs> and she'll tell me. Send me a DM. Find Megan on all the places where she is. And yes, I'd be happy to answer any questions, talk about anything. Yeah, any collaborations. I, I love this stuff. It's so amazing. It's a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much, Renee. Thanks for being my first guest yeah. on Tell Me More. Yes. And um, I won't congratulations. Try to get you well, thank you. I am trying to get more guests, so it's not. I won't just use you and all your wisdom. I'll spread it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're busy. <laughs> well, have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay, bye. bye. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.